unless you are meaning to look for this podcast, you right. won't find it. So anybody no. who's like, I want a comics podcast, will never find this podcast. Well, mm-hmm. did, at some point, didn't you add comics to the... I was making a play for it. To, yeah. I thought you did. Papcast. Yeah, which I'm very into, because he never really let me do Papcast anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do we have podcast names? Alternative names. Oh, uh, oh I thought you meant like... Uh, Names for us, like. Um, well, I think DJ that we should Dottie definitely. I like that idea, or we could do the Broken Mirror Universe, and it's Papcast with uh, Jared, Brandon, and Rowan. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. is, that a, is that a good noise? Uh, I think so. Well, I they, think they sound, so. They do sound like evil versions of us with goatees. I mean, Brandon, do you want to do our intro? Um, listen. It's episode 97. <laughs> uh, sure. It's It's been a while, but yeah. Let me see if I remember. It's uh, welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast where every week we, the members and staff of the Comics Place in Bellingham, Washington, gather under one roof mm. um, up a flight of stairs in a, in a sanctum, sanctorum, to talk about comic books. Uh, that's mostly what it is. There's some yeah. comings and goings of our lives and other nonsense, but we we talk about them, and then we put little numbers on the end uh, that you can track in your spreadsheets. Uh, Phil is here, thank yeah, goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. Thank um, God for Phil. I, you mean thank Phil for Phil. Thank Phil for Phil. I prayed every night to Phil. Phil <laughs> um, so, so, so flags us down on our spoilers. Yeah, speaking of which, there will be. So. Oh, that's true. There's going to be some serious king spoilers today. Oh, yeah. So spoilers on the following titles that we'll be talking about this week. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Runaways, number 12, Scarlet, number 1, X-23, number 3, Lex Luthor, Porky Pig, number 12. Oh, wait, no, never mind. It's just the one of those so far. <laughs> uh, Moon Knight, 198, and Web of Venom, Venom, number one. Got it in one. Venom. Venom. <laughs> um, so spoilers on those. Yes. Um, I'm Brayden, and I'm, I'm back. I'm Jeff, and I'm back, too. Back. I'm back. Back at it. Back. I'm back. We're... We're back. We're back. Yeah, I, I'm also I'm also back, but uh, and my name's my name's Ronam. Oh <laughs> man, he Forgot took that anchor it. spot and he right. just got the goofs. It's oh, like man. it's like a Namor Ronan combo. <laughs> yeah, you know they're doing these like you know Captain America, Sorcerer Supreme, Thor, Iron Man, mm-hmm. let's, Infinity let's Warps. Get a, let's get a Namor Ronan going. Oh God, that would be better. Th- than what I am worried those Infinity Warps are going to be. Yeah. Hey, listen, can we stop beating around the bush? We got stood up today. We did. We, we did. got, like, oh. courted, called, <laughs> and stood up. You'll notice there's three of us here, and that's because we reserved a fourth spot. There's usually three of you guys. I'm, I haven't been here, but... Listen, you are definitely one of us, and there can be four just as often. Um, Django is not here, but we got stood up by somebody else mm-hmm. who was... 
gonna be here today and um, isn't and didn't, so I guess I'm banking on them coming by tomorrow. Yeah. And if they don't come by tomorrow, I'm gonna be bummed. And by gonna be here today, we do mean rumored to maybe make an appearance, possibly. And that person <laughs> was Jim Lee. Yeah. Who, um, his wife is uh, from Bellingham, and her family does all live in Bellingham. And Jim Lee is in town right now for a family reunion, and his wife's cousins all came in the store yesterday and bought a whole bunch of Jim Lee books to have signed for their grandchildren by Jim Lee. And they had said that they were going to try and get Jim Lee in here today. Listen, I have met and spoken to Jim Lee uh, three times. Count them. Mm. One, two, three. That's one for each letter in his last name. And every time, <laughs> first name. Every time I've spoken to him, I've foregone getting a, a book signed, so that I can just say, "Hey, I'm not asking for anything from you other than I work at a comic shop in Bellingham, where your family's from. Come by at some point." And he always says, "I'm going to. Next time the family's in town, we're mm. going to come by." I happen to know he hasn't been in town for nine years, so he's mm. here now. So we expected him all day. I've been here since nine in the hopes that uh, if he came by, I wouldn't miss him. And unless I just didn't look right, did he? Did you? Did you guys see Jim Lee? I didn't. I didn't. No. Um. So here's what we'll say: He's a really nice guy, but he's kind of a stander upper. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't mean it. He didn't. He didn't tell us he was going to be here. His family told us he was going to be here. But uh, listen, um, by the time this podcast goes up, which is I guess Monday evening, afternoon, uh, he may have been by the store. All of this is going to be in the window, the, the rear view window for anybody listening to yeah. this podcast. Mm. So maybe by the next podcast, then we'll be able to tell about our our Jim Lee afternoon or something. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe he'll realize he forgot about it and then look up at our website and see the podcast and then listen to that and be like. Who are these punks? Yeah, special <laughs> guest, not Jim Lee. No. <laughs> Episode 97. Not with, that he wouldn't be if he was here. Yeah, that's true. Although, we do have the very special guest of Brayden Smith. Oh, hi. Hey. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. Um, nice to have you. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, I was uh, taking, a, taking a bit of a break there. Although you um, were on last week, technically. I was, but... It's hard recording out there in, in orbit. Space. We lost yeah. that ding-dang audio. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we really did. Um, but, yeah, I was taking a, taking a little breather from comics here and there. But Not a bad thing to do. Yeah. It can be a stressful and exhausting environment to be waist-deep in all the time. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, I will say, a great way to get out of that would be to read Runaways number 12. Oh, what a segue. Ooh. What a segue. Because let me tell you, I was having kind of a, a rough day that uh, Wednesday, I think, when I read it. And, like, after I read it, I was just, my mood was instantly just so much better. <laughs> like, it you're, warmed my heart so much and made my day. Your, uh, your cold mood kind of ran away? Yes. Oh. Yes. Dude, he's taking your spot on this anchor. <laughs> he's the guy to my right just makes the puns, apparently. Yeah, it's that chair, I swear. Um, <laughs> Runaways number 12 by Rainbow Powell and Chris Anka and Matthew Wilson. Rainbow Rowell. Oh, sorry. I don't have my glasses on. Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah, just like Braden said, I haven't been reading uh, any of this book. I read the first issue, and it did the exact 
opposite of what I think this issue did. Um, so I've never read the original Runaways, mm-hmm. and I have not been reading any of this current run away except for the first issue. Um, and I think that first issue did what it felt like it needed to do, which was sort of focus on these characters that would be familiar to people who had read them before. And I think that it did a little bit of, I did did some heavy lifting um, in establishing those characters. Mm-hmm. And what I loved so much about this issue was like Roman was asked me like, you know, how'd you like it? And I said, I really, really liked it. And he said, okay, like, you know, even having not read it, and I was like, yeah, or not read any of the context or knowing these characters. And what I liked so much about this issue is what I said was that it's like, you don't need to have read a lot of issues to just be able to relate to like people being people mm. and struggling to be humans. And uh, if if the first issue had sort of just kind of been waist deep in it, which is clearly where it went, and I don't begrudge them at all yeah. for needing to start by establishing some characters, but it, it, this worked super, super well to just be like, oh, okay, like, I can get down like I can I can get down with this type of character, this type of character, this type of character relating in these ways. It didn't really need a lot of context to yeah. like make me almost cry alone <laughs> in the beanbag. I liked uh, I did like that first arc um, a lot, but I do think it was a little much or a little uh, brought down by just the fact that it was working to bring everybody back together. Mm-hmm. Like they, which I think is good because they tried to do it organically. Um, and like there was a lot of cool discussions. I'm like, hey, come, we're getting the band back together. And I'm like, oh wait, what is that? A, why do I? <laughs> so there was like a lot of good stuff there, but I think um, I wasn't as engaged with like the villain and some of the stuff. But like since that arc and since they've kind of I think set everything up they wanted to, they can now like tell the stories they've been really wanting to tell. Like the arc before this was really good, and now like because now all the runaways are living together in this house, and so they can kind of get into the meat of them and their relationships, and it's really i think taken off um yeah and and like let's just hey let's just read the intro paragraph not even the recap but the paragraph that sort of you know like hey peter parker was bitten by a radioactive spider Mm -hmm. because i didn't know what runaways was at all this is the intro paragraph and i read it and i was like oh fuck yeah (laughs) um so so anybody who is listening who has never read runaways here have here's have some of this uh when they were younger Nico, Chase, Gertrude, Carolina, Molly, and Alex became friends through circumstances, hanging out once a year while their parents had what they claimed was a dinner party. After discovering their parents were actually the supervillain team known as the Pride, the kids ran. The runaways learned to use powers and resources inherited from their parents and returned to defeat them. The experience made them a family, but wasn't enough to keep them safe. And I was like, that's cool. Right? Like, hey, we're all just hanging out because circumstance, like, we're always brought together for this thing all the time. And then to learn that there's this nefarious thing, you can't trust your parents, this is what's actually going on, let's bail. I was like, oh, like, that would have made a really good comic series written by Brian K. Vaughn that people would talk about for a long time. <laughs> and uh, it did. And it did. <laughs> uh, does anybody want to maybe, Brayden, uh, Roman, have you been reading all of this? Yeah. Okay, well, do you guys want to give it a, just a real brief summary so people know what it is that we're talking about this issue? Because there was two main things, and I just think that both of them were really, really beautiful. Yeah, there's, uh, leading up to this, we've gone through some arcs, getting everybody back together. There was some messiness with uh, Molly and Gert. Gert being brought back from the TED, from another timeline. And is is that Molly and Gert right there? Uh, Molly is not in this issue. Uh, okay. This is uh, Nico and Carolina okay. uh, on this page. But... 
they're all back together. They've been through some some pretty weird stuff, uh, and things are kind of settled. But uh, Carolina and her ex girlfriend uh, Julie Julie Powers yeah. from Power Pack uh, broke up in the last issue, um, and that was rough. But they broke up in the last issue. They did. Ish, who and who yeah. did? Can you point? Um, she Carolina, and the super blonde. super pretty blonde and Julie Power from Power Pack. Right, and then and yeah, who's Nico. Nico. I think the oldest or second oldest member of Power Pack, and also is a she's the Rainbow blonde. Fly one, which is okay. very similar to Carolina's powers. Okay, yeah. cool. I'm just gonna do some real base identification oh, cool. of personality type with mm-hmm. these things. So mm-hmm. we've got pretty blonde, and then super badass gothy girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and they had a. A really great, like everything in this series, a really great realistic breakup because it wasn't. Yeah. It was over the fact that basically Carolina here just was kind of taking advantage of her, not paying attention to her, you know. Prioritizing, always, like, yeah. the other runaways and her friends over her, yeah. um, which she felt bad about, but, you know, it, it was messy and it was rough, uh, yeah. which I feel like is how a lot of breakups are. Um, but so she's feeling sad about that. Everybody else is feeling sad about their own stuff. Um, <laughs> I liked in this issue that, and mostly this whole series, like, Chase is just always working, like, just working hard to, like, keep this family together, like, and try is that to the accommodate dude that got everybody. The, yeah, he the built the room for her. Uh, oh, that was, okay. that was uh, Victor's head. Okay. Chase is, is the guy who has made this sweet room. Yeah, solar yeah. room so somebody who apparently needs sun powers can live with them and have their own space. Very yeah. cool. Um, that's... He he shows that he shows this cool room he's built for Carolina to help her stay there. She's kind of bummed, so she doesn't get excited for it. She has to go to a big event that her parents for like a charity that her parents ran that she has to run now, even though her parents are evil. But the charity's still good. Right. Um, she doesn't want to go alone, but Nico offers to go with her, and they both go together, and it's really awesome and sweet. And she like, gets on stage and does a whole speech for it, and she is comforted by like Nico being there and helps her do the speech well and then afterwards they kiss and it's amazing. And that is that was an amazing and awesome kiss. Um the first page or two of this issue is them almost yes. kissing a long time ago. Yeah. Does that apparently. has that happened in a different run away or is that just I a retcon? I think so. I, I can't yeah. remember but and I don't, yeah, and I don't remember. This is the first I knew of it, but I was assuming it was referring to events from the yeah. first series, maybe, or second series. And there was, like, a fair amount of, like, romantic tension between, like, all the runaways in the early books, um, except for Molly. But, um, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure this happened. I can't remember exactly when. Was Molly um, in this issue? Was Molly the one she who wasn't. time travel? And okay. Molly's the young, the little kid who's super okay. strong. Yeah, um, she's, like, 12. Yeah. 13? Okay. She's younger? Yeah. Um, so this is also just sort of Runaways catch-up cast for all you listeners, since yeah. I will be the proxy person who is asking too many dumb questions of who is who. No such uh, thing as a dumb question. But basically, yeah, Nico and Carolina hook up, and they have a beautiful uh, splash page of them having a kiss. Their dresses are so beautiful. I would. I also want to say, like, that flashback page, the first page and a half, mm-hmm. um, the facial expressions. I'm a big fan of Chris Anka. I have been yeah. for a really long time, but uh, it's not insanely detailed art, but there is like a lot of really nice subtlety in the facial expressions there. Yeah. They're... it's it's just It says a lot about the complexity of that situation. Absolutely. And it's a very complex one. 
It sure is. It um, sure is. But, yeah, uh, basically, like, in the past, two years ago, apparently, Carolina had kind of made a move on Nico, and Nico got freaked out, wasn't sure about her sexuality, and it was awkward, and she kind of narrates in that how she felt bad for shutting that door kind of out of ignorance and fear. Um, but by the end of the issue, she opens it back up, and they have this beautiful full-page spread kiss, and it's dazzling. They're both in these gorgeous dresses. It's so good. Mm, and that's just, like, half the issue. <laughs> that is just half the issue. But, I yeah, I really liked that... Uh... That whole, the way they bookended that convert, like her journey with her sexuality of mm-hmm. saying two years ago this, the closed door, and then, you know, it wouldn't have worked as well without that sort of flashback at the That's, beginning yeah, of the for issue. Sure. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it just made me feel, right. made me feel, it captures a lot it of that. Had a lot of, it added a lot of weight and depth to that relationship that yeah. kind of progressed through the issue. Um, and then there's another kiss we get. Yeah, <laughs> and I really loved that one. They were too. both good. Like and yeah. neither of them like really outshone each other too much. Um, but uh, Victor and Gert uh, hook up as well when they fix their old time machine. Um, because why not? And I love it because instead of doing any of the normal stupid time machine stuff you would typically do in a superhero <laughs> comic, they go back uh, to a time before this uh, species of butterfly went extinct and they get to see like their last migration in California at night these like bioluminescent butterflies that are now extinct so they go back in time to see them and it yeah and I totally agree I was happy that they didn't do some of that classic time travel stuff while also echoing Ray Bradbury's A Sound of Thunder Mm mm-hmm Um, They even mentioned butterfly. Yeah, the butterfly, the butterfly effect, Sound of Thunder, they go back in time, they accidentally kill a single butterfly and it changes all. So I was very prepared for it to take this Ray Mm Bradbury-esque turn Mm -hmm. and it kind of was just a a little nod. But then at the very end of the issue, we have Alex show up, who was um, an original runaway who kind of betrayed them all and was bad. And so I'm wondering if maybe there was a little butterfly effect that, Mm. because he died at the end of that first, like, runaways thing. In the Brian K. Vaughn one? Yeah, I think he died. I'm almost certain he died, but certainly out of the picture. Maybe still running around somehow, but... Oh, okay. I wasn't wasn't sure who he was. I didn't know who he was. Yeah, yeah, so I'm I'm wondering if uh, maybe there was a little unintended set consequence thing, but I think that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. I did not know who that character was at the end, and I it was, could have nothing to do with it too, as yeah. well. So, um, who knows? but that happened when they came back from being back in time, right? Um, the tension of that kiss was also really wonderful because yeah. he's just a head, which he's, is just an insane mechanic that is apparently yeah, just casual in this he's, issue. He's is an that, android. Yeah, he's, he's just he's, a floating head. He's usually yeah. like on a on a drone, sometimes flying around and stuff. I think throughout their time travel stuff, she's just carrying him. But uh, yeah, it's it, really sweet and. Is is he the son supposed to be the son of Victor Von Doom? No, he's the son of Ultron ish. Okay. Okay. Sort of. Yeah. Uh, and pretend he was pretending to be the son of Doom. But he's actually an Ultron. And like, right, right. Weird. And and he showed up in he was kinda hanging out with the Avengers for a while. Yeah, and then he, he showed up in the Vision, Vision series. And, then, and he betra- kinda betrayed the Vision, as he mentions in this. So yeah. that and that was just another really great part is like that dude has just been harboring that secret, and I haven't read this series, and I can feel the weight of that, and the way that Gert is just like, 
like, well, you know, he, you know, he says like, I'm not a good guy. And she's like, you're, you're not, not a good guy. And she's like, well, he's like, well, you don't know what I've done. She's like, yeah. well, tell me what it is you're afraid to tell anybody. And they're just laying there, and he tells her, and holy shit, like, while I don't know any of the story or any of that, the context around it, this thing that he feels like he murdered this person because his powers went out of control, and the way that she's able to say, like, that's not murder, that's an accident, and that's just such a perfect way of addressing that issue that everybody kind of has this thing that they are hiding in themselves that they are critical of and they choose to interpret in this way that makes them feel horrible about mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. And we're all just like, want someone to tell us that that is okay, whatever it is for every different person. Like it, it was just this, like his tears and her consoling him in those panels were like very, very touching. Yeah. Really, really human, good stuff. And the fact that like he, I mean, he has to, but like he asks her um, if he can kiss her and she's like, no, I don't want you to kiss me just because I was here to console you for it. And he like very awesomely explains to her how like, no, like it's not just because of that. Like, I really like you and... It's it's good, and, and like, he's like, we're not even in the timeline. It can be like not, uh, <laughs> yeah, not a kiss. And she's like, but I want it to be one. Yeah, and they kiss, and it it was uh, it was very much what I wanted, and it had the stuff that I want out of teen drama without a lot of the stuff that I can get tired of. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times to get to moments like these, you have to go through. A kind of a lot of cliche things in a lot of fiction that I engage in um, and I don't necessarily want to go through the same things that I've experienced to get to moments like this and I just really appreciated that it didn't make me do that yeah yeah I did too because it's I mean of course you can't get away from from representation issues here but they don't beat you over the head at, over, with it you know just the fact that you know he doesn't have a body um, the other couple and the fact that and and the stuff about because when she was brought back to life um i forgot her name gert. um gert when gert was brought back to life uh if i don't i didn't read the previous series i think chase and her yeah were romantically involved and they were kind of kind of back together during this but not really yeah chase and chase really still has feelings for her romantic yeah. feelings but she doesn't for him yeah and now this is developing. Kurt has romantic feelings for Chase. Yeah, because Chase walked back in time and brought her back in that first issue. Okay. And but he's like, a handsome dude with the bun yeah. who built the room. He's the one but trying all, to hold everybody together. Right. And right. it's kind of weird, though, because like, they've all like aged without her stuff. And it's, yeah, it's awkward um, hmm. and great and teen drama. But yeah, this is probably my favorite issue of the year I've, I've read so far. Mm -hmm. Cool. I will also give it a 10. Um, I think this is one of Marvel's best books every issue is just like wow this is and it's, and this issue especially there was so many moments where I was like I was like oh god it's so touching and real <laughs> yeah I would love to see Rainbow Rowell do more, more mm. is she a novelist I think so I think yeah I know she's done other stuff but it's not a name that I've seen on comic yeah. books um, I'm also gonna give it a 10 I oh. uh, I don't know that I I can't say that every single issue I'm gonna want to read and every like I don't I don't know and I don't know 
how broadly the issues I will really identify with or really appreciate, but it, it, uh, this one really did. And I definitely intend to read the next one. And, um, it is, uh, it's a really good book with some really great characters by some awesome creators that I can't necessarily say is always for me, but it's definitely, definitely worth highlighting. And this one definitely was. So, uh, really, really good fucking comic book. Heck thanks for making me read it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm thanks, thanks really grateful um, that I that I read it. Awesome. Talk about a conversation that would have gone differently if Django was here. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would have farted or burped three times in the middle of that. <laughs> um, so let's talk about <laughs> Scarlet Number One by yeah. Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Malieve. Ooh, this is the one where I'll ask I'll ask all the questions because I don't know anything about Scarlet. Neither do we. I don't think. Oh, okay. I didn't finish the whole first volume. It took years for like the 10 issues or 12 issues to come out it, okay. it was like uh inundated with delays to the point where like there were it's like all-star superman level of how long it took to come out maybe wow. even longer for the 10 issues i think i think it took literally years uh for Jeez, those 10 I, issues and i didn't realize there'd only been 10 it's either 10 or 12 wow i can't remember and it, was it uh bennis and believe on all those yeah it was and I believe that's Maliev. He's a he's a pretty slow artist. I'm not sure. He's 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 great. Um, this my concern about this, and we didn't order a ton of it. I didn't <laughs> order a ton of it because I thought we were getting a lot of Bendis books, which is true. Um, but I thought this was going to require having read the first stuff to appreciate it. And, and it does to like a very very small extent. I right. Think, I but. think that you can appreciate different stuff in it if you've read the original. There are some amazing, amazing moments in that first two or three issues. Um, but I think that this does pretty well to stand on its own. You've got super awesome girl who, uh, I guess, to you know, sort of summarize the beginning one, uh, she and her boyfriend, her boyfriend was, like, murdered by a cop. And, and she, was tried, she was also murdered but survived and left for dead with yeah, her boyfriend, right? yeah. I, I, that that sounds right, um, but she's yeah she's mobile and proactive throughout the whole thing. But it's sort of you know uh, individuals being oppressed by a larger power and someone working hard to bring that power down and bring things to light. And uh, it takes place in Portland, and Bendis is from Portland and uh, has several adopted kids and is I think really really actually very in touch with youth because he's a college professor but also really in touch with I think what it means to feel really small in a society that is much bigger and larger and more powerful than you and this issue takes place after Scarlet has sort of um, brought to light a bunch of crazy stuff and Society is sort of run down a little bit, and we've got people versus the political powers. Yeah. Portland's um, like sealed off from the rest of the country, and it's all like post-apocalyptic almost. Yeah, all the bridges like, are like broken down. You can there's some really nice shots of Portland where all the bridges yeah. have been blown up. Really, really good double page spread of the bridges being down. And the and the art I would say is not quite as strong as the original run. Um, mm-hmm. For as good as I think the writing and story is, I think the art is not quite as strong as it, as it was. But I've noticed that Alex Maleev's art just in general has not been as strong as it was when he was doing like that Daredevil run with Bendis. Mm-hmm. Just in general across the board, although his international mm-hmm. Iron Man, uh, infamous Iron Man, does mm-hmm. have some really nice stuff in it. But 
Um, I really liked it. Um, at least, yeah, it's uh, still it's still great. Particularly art. the the cityscapes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is very photo referenced. It is like pictures, then just sort of lines drawn over it, um, which is, you know, mileage may vary depending on how you feel about that sort of stuff. I think a, a weird thing that really helped with that that I didn't think would was is the way uh, she narrates the. Normally in a comic, when the character is narrating, you'll just see a text box mm-hmm. um, with it'll be colored to maybe that character's sure. costume or something. But in this one, like it's text boxes, but they have a tail like you know going toward her like a speech bubble would. So it looks like she's speaking, mm. but you can it'll alternate between like the boxes and bubbles when you can tell she's actually talking to someone, talking to a person or talking to us. And so yeah, it felt yeah I don't know like I thought that was a really cool trick that. I didn't. I wouldn't think would make a big difference, but like it felt much more personal. Like, oh, mm. she's like. I felt like she's saying this rather than me reading a narration. Right. Oh, okay. They just, uh, she does that in this one too. I was a little confused by that because at mm-hmm. first I thought it was being filmed somehow. I wasn't sure either at first. I was yeah. like, is she talking to these people? Like, no, she's talking to me. And this, yeah. And that's an instance of like it does maybe work to have read the original. Okay. Um, because I know that she does an amount of like not. Deadpool like, but an amount of yeah. like breaking the yeah. fourth wall, and she's talking to us, mm-hmm. and uh, I I really like that. I it, okay, that that makes a lot more I sense because like I yeah. couldn't figure out from this one issue I just read if if she was breaking the fourth wall or if she was narrating or if that those square parts were being recorded somehow. If she was speechifying, I, I just wasn't sure. I think it's just narration slash fourth wall yeah. messing around mm-hmm. with. I I really liked it and thought it was clever. And uh, you know it's. I think that it's a an important issue to have been brought up, you know, when they were making this years and years ago when it started. But I think that having a really strong voice of rebellion and not just anarchy, but rebellion, like right now in this moment in time, I think mm-hmm. is really important. And I occasionally just start to feel real hopeless about the state of just everything yeah. <laughs> um, and politics and power and who has it. Hard to blame you. Yeah. And this just, I think it's great that he was doing this book a while ago, but it just feels like maybe the delays were almost like the universe, like pushing this book to be coming out now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I finished, actually I got halfway through it and I ordered a, you know, once over the amount that I had placed for our initial order on this book because I really like it. I really want to sell it. I really want people to check it out. And I just think that it is a really cool protagonist that blends vulnerability and power uh, and control in a really touching way. And I I, I want to read it. So, yeah, Roman, what did you think of it? I really, I, I really liked it. I was curious... Do they say in the first volume? I, I mean, what happened in America to cause Portland to be become no man's land? And I didn't get to that. Or part. Actually not I no read the land. first three or four issues. Oh, it okay. sounds like um, she okay. had recorded a bunch of like shitty stuff that the police were doing, and finally like got enough people pissed off about it to like get a full on like rebellion riot going. I guess, and it looks like it. That double page, like, there's yeah. just some beautiful, beautiful oh, stuff in this book. And I think if you flip through it, there's just a level of intricacy and detail here that I haven't seen Alex Malib do in, in quite a while. But I really liked in that, this this week's number one issue, um, that without a lot of exposi- clunky ex- exposition, 
we find out how capable she is. I, mm-hmm. I mean, she's, you see why she's a leader, um, how she spots like the, the people sniping at them from that are inside that car and just, and the way she talks to people. Yeah. I was really impressed with that. I guess, and that's so much of, I guess, why I really liked it is this, I just, I really liked her and, yeah. uh, yeah, I just want to I want to highlight some 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 badass lady protagonists because uh, I particularly talk a lot about Batman and you know a bunch of guys. So I give this one uh, an eight point five. What was the line she said that you really liked? Oh yeah, let me see this. So there was there was that. a moment in here that also like really we were trying to make some really tough decisions as a store the day I read this and. Uh, she says, um, at one point, uh, I found out real fast that a lot of the answers to my bigger problems come right down to answering a simple question. If I looked up to me, what would I want from me? And that is just that really reframed some stuff in my head of like, if I looked up to me, what would I want myself to do? And I think that if everybody asked themselves <laughs> that question more yeah. often, we, the world would be a little bit of a better place, or maybe a lot better of a place. But yeah, that line struck stuck with me too. Because so I was like, "Wow, what a great thing to like ask yourself." Yeah. Periodically, I, I get too lost. I can't. I'm like, wait, if I'm me, who am I looking at? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's too much arithmetic for me. Yeah, because I I look up to a lot of people. And so that's sort of how I guide a lot of my decisions is like, well, what would Steve Jobs do here? What would Hunter Thompson do here? Or what would, you know, Aphex Twin do right now? And and all of those are their own extreme versions of a different thing. But it's just sort of like, okay, like we have Ashton working in this store who's 15 and he looks up to us. And so that was sort of how I framed it. It was like, okay, what would, like, what would, be, what would make me the most proud to have Ashton influenced by me in these decisions? Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of a thing. So... What do you give it, Braden? Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Um, I liked it. I'll definitely check out some more. Yeah, um, and I would I would encourage everybody to check out the first volume of this and also compare the art because it's really it's a subtle but interesting difference. I do think I prefer the the new the art. The new one actually. Oh wowza! Hmm. Wow. Well, to compare the two, I think I'll give it a seven point five. If oh. I looked up to a. Bendis comic, what? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a high score for Roman on a Bendis comic. It is. Yeah. Roman fucking hates Bendis. Well, I would. I don't. No, I won't say I hate him anymore. <laughs> I used to. I, I used to pretty that's dislike him, but the more I learn, the more stuff I read, and the more I hear about him personally, the more I like him. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he's a real good dude. I think. I mean, geez, that uh, that thing he wrote in that text piece, and what was it? Infamous Iron Man is the last issue, or maybe it was the last issue of regular Iron Man. One of those months and months ago. It was so oh, good. I about his was neighbor. The, or no, about the old man he knew that died. I forget which one that was because he ended yeah. all of his series with different things. But oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Speaking of ending our series with different things, which is a segue that doesn't make any sense at all for X-23 number three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, they're, you know, a cuckoo ends. Uh, Mariko Tamaki, Juan Cabal, and uh, Nolan Woodard. Brayden, do you want to champion this one? I only read issues one and three. I haven't read two, um, but Dino is just on about this book. He's called in. He's got those voicemails. I love it. He didn't call in this week. He didn't. Oh, Dino 23, where are you? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, 
damn good book. I really like this art. Yeah, um, very, yeah. very good art. X-23 has been following X-23, who used to be Wolverine. Well, Wolverine was dead, um, but now she's going by X-23 again to kind of take back her weird clone designation and own it, I guess, um, which is cool. But the the step... Stepford Cuckoos, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which are Emma Frost's five clones. Are they clones? Yes. Yes. Are they Grant Morrison creations? Yes. I think so, yeah. I yeah, think yeah. that they're from that new X-Men run. I yeah. just couldn't remember if they were clones um, or if they were ones that she was teaching, so probably Yeah, the, the psychic I think they were both. five and one became the four and one, which is currently the three and one. Right. Um, they're down two cuckoos, but... They're trying to bring back their sisters um, using some cloning science uh, that X-23 starts investigating, but they basically steal uh, Gabby, who is Honey Badger, who is X-23's clone, uh, and use her body to basically put the mind of one of their resurrected cloned cuckoo sisters. It's... It's kind of a jumbled mess of <laughs> clony madness that is, you know, just fits right into the Marvel universe, and I think it's pretty fun. But yeah, basically they're they're trying to abduct. They they do abduct Gabby, Honey Badger, and by the end of the issue, it looks like they've succeeded in transferring one of their one of the cuckoo's brains into her body, which um, is a real bummer. Because <laughs> we really like Gabby yeah. and don't necessarily care about the dying old cuckoo. Laura is very pissed about it, and she's, like, diving in at the end of the issue trying to save her, giving us, like, a big no, and snicked in all over the place. It's 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 good. And the whole issue, uh, Laura is tracking, trying to track down Gabby, and she gets on the cool car chase that reminded me a lot of uh, the matrix reloaded um the car chase sequence is really really great the yeah. the yeah. way that you're able to track the jumping from car to car like mm-hmm. the the steps that she takes for her to like flip backwards yeah. um it's, this it's art great. is is phenomenal and the way that so ultimately spoilers but we get uh, a classic like she's chasing down this van that she thinks gabby is in and we are seeing gabby in a van and this is all happening, and she gets to the van, and she opens it up, and we have uh, six, the page, it's a single-page splash, it's six vertical panels, and it's yeah. a scene of the back of a van opening up, but and, and Gabby bound in it, but she's only in half of them, and it's not the ones that Laura is looking in, so the cuckoos are opening a van that she's bound in, so we realize in that page that Laura has uh, hunted out this van that uh, Honey Badger is not in. And it's kind of heartbreaking, but it's also just a beautiful, it's a beautifully done page that conveys what it needs to perfectly without hitting you over the head with it. It's it's good comic booking. It's like I, I'm surprised I don't recognize this artist's name more. Yeah, I very good. I I don't know any other work that he has done, at least like the Marvel or anything. But yeah, the action scenes and like the pacing of like. All of that, the cool panel, like it's it's all really really good high caliber stuff, um, and it makes the book really interesting to go through as you're reading it. It's uh, I would describe it as really good superhero comics. Yeah, like just mm-hmm. yeah. it is it is that. It's not necessarily super heady. It's not getting you with insane emotional beats. It's action. 
it's badass. It's well done. Yeah, it's and funny. It's, it's gorgeous. It's funny. Gabby is a character who has totally stolen my heart. Yeah. Um, um, she's great. What is the... And I like that uh, she's a great character um, written by uh, Mariko Tamaki as well as Tom Taylor, who I think created her? Yeah. Yeah, so um, like it's a it's a character who's now had two people writing the voice, and it's it's doing really well, as opposed to like Damien, who Grant Morrison can write really well, and it seems like nobody else but maybe Peter Tomasi can. Yeah. Do, you know. <clears throat> what do you think, Roman? I I really liked. It. I had to go back and <clears throat> refresh myself on the second issue that had that. <clears throat> excuse me, had that uh, great breakfast scene. Yeah. With Gabby and um, Laura. Oh, I haven't read issue two. There's a breakfast scene. There's a breakfast hey, scene. Hey, Justin, I love a good breakfast. <laughs> mm. In fact, our, our buddy James Burke posted about it on Facebook. There, a little, a little yeah. shot from that breakfast scene. Just a little thing in the art. A nice little like I love James joke Burke. that yeah I didn't even get when I read it the first time. And oh. I saw James post. I was like, oh yeah. Cool. Hey, James, if you're listening, we love you. Very yeah, much. yeah. Um, I like this issue. I like this storyline. I'm having fun with this series. I've never read X-23 before. I never gave Laura a shot because I was like, oh, yeah, it's another like third-generation Wolverine. So what? But I like her. Yeah. I, turns I, out she's real cool. Yeah. I, li- I like Honey Badger. And at first I was like, come on, that's like a joke character, right? It's but, funny because <laughs> like, when I first heard about Gabby or uh, about Laura like the same way you did, I was like pumped. I was like, heck yeah. Like, I'll read that. <laughs> the Honey Badger? Wait, what? Uh, X-23. When that's Laura. Yeah. I was like, oh, some weird Wolverine clone. Oh, okay. Sorry. Like, I thought you meant like this book. No, no, no. Um, it was one of the first like books I really kind of jumped into when I was reading like Marvel's online archive. How do you... Feel her character has grown because she's grown a lot from being like a feral, angry child. Yeah, and I really, I really like this character that mm-hmm. she's become. Do you feel like that is a loyal, logical progression of the character? Do you miss the old character? Do you prefer this one? What do you I, think? I think she's developed in a pretty organic way. Um, I know some people took issue with. Uh, the way Tom Taylor kind of seemed to have her move on from a lot of traumatic stuff, mm-hmm. um, which I haven't read the whole series, but from what I did read, it seemed pretty pretty good. I liked it. Um, but where she's at now seems like a really good spot that um, recognizes that trauma but still moves forward from it and kind of is smarter about it um, in, in the ways that she deals with, like, getting revenge on people and dealing with those emotional issues like that she still very clearly has but is handling better and she's got this her like younger sister now Gabby that she's trying to be like a role model for it's, it's I think it it all makes sense to me at least uh, I'm gonna give this one uh, an eight yeah I, I would give this a, a nine I haven't been buying this series I've just been reading it here but after I read this one I I started just buying them all and I'll probably just subscribe to the rest of it it's really good um I like a lot of Mariko Tamaki's work, um, and I, but I didn't like her Hulk stuff quite as much as I'm enjoying this, though. Yeah, um, I will give this an eight. I'm really enjoying this series. I'm definitely going to continue. Somebody get me a segue. Oh, what's our what is our next book? Well, it's oh, um, the uh, one on the next one. It's the fucking pink uh, book. Our, 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 and I don't mean unnatural because that's awesome. It's a. Uh, it's a, it's a book, A Tale of Two Pigs. Um, Lex Luthor. Yes. 
to take a little off the top. Gosh. Lex Luthor Porky Pig, number one, by Mark Russell and Brad Walker, Andrew Hennessy, Andrew Dahas, and Owls Troy, Dave. And Dave. I thought it was a really fun uh, kind of like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos spin on Lex Luthor, which mm-hmm. I've never really thought about before, but t- makes total sense. Um, yeah. He's he's running this uh, this big total Silicon Valley tech firm type place uh, with like bean bags and like waterfalls and stuff for this like work environment while everybody's hanging out and chilling. Um, he hires Porky to be his, like, social media manager, basically. Uh, and then, like, kind of sets him up to fail. And then when shit goes wrong for Luther, he kind of is able to, have to pin it all on Porky, and it's horrible and uh, and, and Porky had had this whole, like, business and cryptocurrency yeah. that was thriving and getting really big, and then it crashed, and then he was at, at the, you know, at the bottom of thing, which is when Lex had hired him. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Um, Lex Luthor is basically making a, a social media network to steal people's passwords and like mess with their prescriptions and stuff. Uh, but he starts getting trolled by Daffy Duck and gets uh, gets pretty upset about it and like threatens to do some pretty messed up stuff about it. And then that gets. I love Daffy Duck. Like, yeah, Daffy Duck is great. Roman, what did you think on this? I love this. I read almost all of the uh, the Warner Brothers cartoon character or DC character crossovers this week, and this was my favorite one. Mm. Um, the art. Who's the artist here? Um, where, where's the title page? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. There was like a backup. So um, Brad Walker. Yeah, Brad Walker. Uh, I love the art just because Porky's expressions – are so are so, they're just, his his emotions are fully on his face at every moment. I like I love when he has his feet up on his desk once he's settled into the job, and he just looks so satisfied and so happy <laughs> until he's confronted with a little problem. <laughs> Somebody stealing stealing lunches out of the the staff fridge, and that goes in places you wouldn't expect a tragic yeah. place because you know spoilers. He eventually. Even though they all know he didn't do it, they pin it on the really nice. I mean, well, they they found out it's Lex who steals the sandwiches, yeah. and like, well, we can't do anything about that. So yeah, and he's just doing it because he can. And he <laughs> pins it on the the immigrant janitor. Yeah, which yeah, is a pretty shitty thing to do. Yeah, yeah, and Porky feels guilty about it, but he's like, yeah, what else? I gotta somebody's gotta take the fall for it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, and so of course, which has double meanings because. Porky ends up taking the fall, yeah. Um, and just lots of little little good good points. Like one of the Porky's uh, staffers comes to him and says, "You know, so is there health insurance here?" And he's like, uh, "No, but there is a life size gummy bear." Yeah, <laughs> his Lex uh, le- later destroys. He's <laughs> so good at writing uh, Porky Pig's speech impediment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like in a yeah. wonderful way. Yeah, it really is. Um, um, yeah, I liked this. I liked that it um, was do. I think I like. Gosh, I think Mark Russell is a really, really talented writer, and I have not read all of Snagglepuss, and that does sound like a fantastic series. But it, it deals more with um, 
a, like a singular issue that's a really complex issue, whereas Flintstones was kind of all over the map with combining just random social conversations. So this one yeah. falls a little bit more into the category of the Flintstones um, in that it's not kind of a hodgepodge of a bunch of different stuff. And I didn't quite like it as much as any of the Flintstones issues. Sure. Um, it also just reminded me of like how just bummed out about internet culture I am. Mm. And I just... I just don't like it, and uh, the more that it becomes commonplace, the more I want no part of it. Um, so it, it reminded me a lot of that, and people taking advantage of each other, and it's you know these are these important issues that are happening, and it just reminded me of how how much I want to withdraw from all that stuff. So it, he's he's really really good at, at all that stuff, but it. it um, it, it was definitely a good comic book. I didn't really enjoy reading it, but yeah. I don't think that the point was to enjoy reading it because it is like kind of scathing satire that is very sharp and, and highlights a lot of just the shitty stuff that's going on. And gosh darn it, the Flintstones had a little bit more like heart and light in it than this one did. Yeah, there wasn't really like a character in this you could kind of latch on to. As- a moral compass or someone to cheer for. Yeah, it was and, just... like, it's a one-shot. Well, the right. janitor. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, but it just sort of, like, reminded me of, like, yeah, there's a there's a bunch of bummer stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is important to bear in mind because we're not going to fix it if we don't highlight it, but uh, that's not exactly what I wanted or want. Um, but, like, I'll continue to read and try everything that this writer writes because... He's really good at taking complex issues and packaging them into a way that uh, is humorous and touching and very palatable for people who might not want to engage in those issues. Yeah, this was... Oh. Yeah, same as you. I'll read anything Mark Russell writes. I'm reading his Judge Dredd just because yeah. he's writing it. I mean, <laughs> I don't care about Dredd. Um, I'm going to give this one an eight because I think it was well done, but it wasn't wasn't what I was necessarily <laughs> wanting to eat for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't uh, not my favorite Mark Russell book, but still very good. I yeah. would go with a seven. I would go with a. I think I'll go with a nine on this one. I really liked it. Each one of these other one shots, I love how they kept so much of the flavor, the spirit of the the Warner Brothers characters. Like I, just after Lex is able to re- kind of go through the technology and see Daffy's picture and see how he's, he's Daffy's not anonymous. And at the very last mm-hmm. panel we see Daffy, he's just turning off his phone going, mother, which is straight. He always did that in the cartoons. I love it. <laughs> so the comic about uh, set the many voices doesn't really work because Moon Knight doesn't have like multiple personality disorder. And I think, <laughs> well, I guess I was going to say a lot of Moon Knight's voices are good, but no, wait, there's just a, there's kind of a shit bag in him yeah. too. Um, but wait, no, no, he does have multiple personality disorder. Or schizophrenia. That's the thing about Moon Knight. They yeah. kind of always mix up <laughs> he's, his... He's, uh, I mean, in this issue, they mentioned yeah, he's borderline. Got a, he's so. got a whole mess of stuff going on in there. Or not necessarily borderline, but but borderline-related tendencies, I think is what the uh, psycho- psychiatrist says in here. Hmm, psychiatrist. So, Roman, <laughs> I love that you really dug this issue. I read this one pretty quickly. I don't think... I really liked the last two issues, which dealt with the sort of consciousness-devouring 
person. At, mm, and yeah. uh, I had not read the last, I think, two issues that Jason Burroughs had illustrated. Right. So I'm not super up on the thread of the person that he met in the synagogue who kind of caused the situation that he's right. in, who is now coming. Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah and this. I don't know if uh, that apparently Nazi um, who little Mark Spector saw torture and kill somebody or beat up his dad. I forget which. Um, but that was the traumatic event, apparently, that caused uh, his disorder to be birthed in him. And I don't know if that incident is, like, new to this series or if that happened in a previous series, if that's ever been mentioned before. If, or if You're Max, the guy that we talked to Or if Max Bemis came up with before, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I read Bill Sinkovich's Moon Knight series back in the 80s, but I don't remember anything like that happening. But basically, I mean, you, you read what you needed to know, that that Nazi has come back. Um, in the last couple of issues, they captured Moon Knight. He's involved with this sadomasochistic society, um, and the Nazi's kind of, I think, the head of it. And they lured in Moon Knight and captured him last issue, and now they're doing this um, psychological experiment to break him down, and I think to try and make him into their own their own monster and use him. Mm. Moonster. 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 <laughs> uh, I'm really happy to see Jason Burroughs back on this book because his art is gorgeous. I, I did prefer that two little, that two issue mini arc. Uh, that was my favorite moment of this whole run. Uh, but I really liked hearing how much you liked this. And I liked that, I guess, at the end of this, he wasn't really willing to break down and kill this child. Right. Uh, right. Um, and I do kind of, I, I would like to see, like, Jason Burroughs do, like, a storyline and then have an artist like whoever that was that did those two issues in the, in the mindscape there. Um, that'd be fun. And it would fit the series, fit the character to have the art change occasionally. Because I really like Jason Burroughs. Um, and I liked kind of the, realist, the more realistic look of his art in here. And I and I like just the creepiness of a of a sadomasochistic small society group with this genteel so- sounding French name, the Société des Sadiques. I don't know how to say. <laughs> Braden Pond, what do you got? What do you got? I just saw you looking up like you were going to make one. I, I, learned, I took German in high school. Oh, oh yeah, so did I. I took Japanese, which means I don't have. Wow, anything. that wasn't even an option in my high school. Yeah, it was essentially not an option in Caulfield, but they pretended. Um, it was nice to see fool killer in this issue yes I like this they go through these trials to put moon knight through they're very unique and very cruel living up to their name very sadistic the first one he has to uh, he's locked in a room with a dolphin and a too small of a tank and the water's slowly and he has no food moon knight has no food or the dolphin doesn't have any food either um and the water's slowly lowering a little bit more every day and finally moon knight has to get in there and and fight this dolphin. <laughs> yeah, they're very, like, almost like zany trials, but they're very dark still. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the third trial is Fool Killer. Another Marvel character shows up, and they're, they have his fiance, and they're forcing him to do a quick psychoanalysis of Moon Knight and uh, kind of give him a, a little speech of, and of, you know, okay, here's what your problem is, some of your problems. Here's what you should do. This is what you're going to have to face. And and he tells him at the end, you have to start thinking of it, his his mental disorder, 
like a nearly incurable disease. And I really like the last three panels of that page because they're silent, no text, and just close-ups of Moon Knight's face in three panels. The first yeah. one kind of a kind of a little a little smile, like, okay, that's interesting. And then his mouth almost a little bit with the realization. And then the final panel is just a sad look. His corners of the mouth are downturned. His eyes, as he realizes, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, revelation, but not a good one. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, that was probably my favorite trial. Yeah, and the, and it was <laughs> really, really interesting and dark. And I had, I was sort of, I didn't realize that they're sort of grooming him to try and be a successor as I was reading it until talking to you. Yeah, I, and I think, and I'm pretty sure I've got that right. Um, oh, yeah, because he has this thing in his mental landscape with Jake Lockley at the end about what they're going to do to this kid. Um, boy, I just like, the, I, and, and I've said it before about this series, I just really like the way that he deals with mental disorders, with mental mm-hmm. illness, because our, our hero here has this mental disorder, but but it's not the sum of him. It's not totally all that he is, though in this particular storyline, yeah, that's what we're dealing with the most. Um, and he doesn't present it as a handicap necessarily. Yeah, just, that's just, true. I think that even like in Bendis's run or other runs, it is viewed like here's this character working with this deficit. Yeah. And it doesn't come across that way in this run. Yeah. Yeah. And even the even the Lemire run did kind of come from that place of like we're escaping this place and can you trust yourself and all of this stuff. But here it's just sort of an aspect of his powers that he's got these interesting yeah. voices. Yeah, it feels more like he's just like working with a different tool set than most Yeah, people. yeah, yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. It's, it's not a lessening. Mm. Um, I, I thought I liked a lot about this issue. I thought the writing and art were really well done. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the end. Uh, I didn't like that he was agonizing over whether or not to kill a child. Like, I get that he's got some issues. I get that the bad part of him was kind of trying to do this to save his own kid. But, like, that, to me, like, shouldn't even be a question to a, a character that's even remotely, like, moral. Like, yeah. like, if I, like, if I saw him put it in that situation, I would have just been like, well, okay, give me the... Give me the trial where I fight you all. I'm not going to kill a kid. Like, what are you? Yeah, especially those, like, some innocent young girl. Like, I. No, I. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can um, get down with that. Like, I get what he was going for, but it felt a little, like, just kind of edgy for the sake of it. And, like, I don't know. Maybe, like, after these harrowing trials, he's maybe ready to break down and kill a child to save his own or something. But. Yeah, it, 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 it bugged me. Yeah, it seems like what they're trying to do is break him down to be willing to do this thing that he wouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. And I do think that there are some readers who like a deconstructed, like a superhero broken down to these component type of thing. I like the Grant Morrison school of thought of like Superman, these are the epitomes of a hero and this is what it would never be a question. I, I, I can get down with that too, what you're saying. Um, it, it didn't bother me quite that much, but yeah, it it was it was a little bit weird. It was it was an interesting ending. Yeah, yeah. I think I think well, I think it's supposed to be a little bit weird because you know after that, and I agree with both those. But after those trials and everything, and I thought, and I'm still not quite sure what I think of 
this because after they drop the the trap that they're Moon Knight and the child are in, um, they have this quote from from Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, that was really strange. Yeah, Moon Knight standing there next to the kid, and the quote is, "The killing was a means to an end. That was the least satisfactory part." So yeah. I so I'm not sure what to make of that. So, <laughs> and it reminded me of some aspects of when I go to therapy when. My therapist says a thing, and I can't like immediately make sense of it, and it's just a thing that I'm gonna kind of roll around for several. Yeah, weeks. yeah, because you're rolling around with this, like, okay, well, the killing was the least satisfactory thing. So, is that the conclusion Moon Knight has arrived at here that we? Have and then to there's assume, a Carl maybe? Jung quote right after that. Right, right. You want to read that one? Uh, a psychosis must be understood ultimately as the suffering of a soul which has not discovered its meaning. So, yeah, I guess I kind of actually looked forward in reading those to come to a place where they made sense where they didn't make sense before. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Issue, yeah, interesting I, issue looks looks gorgeous. Yeah, because I felt like ultimately Moon Knight arrived at that heroic aspect that, that you're touching on mm-hmm. that we want him to arrive at. Um, but it's not clear... And I think that's part of the – hopefully that's part of the writing, yeah. the cleverness of the writing, that these trials pushed him to maybe an edge that scares himself too, that normally maybe he wouldn't have got to, Yeah, we hope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, we don't know. I haven't been reading this, and I'm not as familiar with Moon Knight, so maybe that's an edge he's closer to than I – Yeah. But – if that's the case, and I don't know, maybe it's just a character I'm not as into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I give it a seven point five. Yeah, I think I, I think I'll give it an eight. This and uh, Porky were my favorite issues this week. Nice. Um, <laughs> oh, and Runaways, geez, yeah. that was my fav- favorite issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I would I would do a, a solid seven. Um, is is a good comic, but I don't know if I'm gonna keep up with it. Yeah. Do you guys read letters pages generally? If I got time and I'm yeah. interested. Yeah, yeah this is just exactly my feeling on it. A lot of times I'll just kind of skim through the writer responses because that's yeah. those are the words I care about. Yeah, sorry, well, that's sorry, a, randos. No, that's I a, totally <laughs> read the writer's response. Yeah, too. And, that, and that's kind of how I do it. And then Let's, judging from their response, I'll read the letter because and this is one of those comics where there's a lot of letters, like every issue, from folks dealing with various mm-hmm. um, mental illnesses, mental illness I. Um, illnesses just writing in and expressing either their appreciation or like just the fact that like hey thanks for trying to trying to talk about this kind of stuff yeah mm. and he actually through a lot of music websites that i follow just came out with a pretty big personality piece that sh- shows that through the last like year he's been going through some pretty insane stuff so i was actually stunned after reading that to be like whoa he's been writing a marvel comic book for the last year also so possibly worth pursuing. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and, and what is that again? I always forget. What, is, what else does Max Spemus do? He's the lead <laughs> singer of a band, and I think the band is Say Anything, if I, if I remember correctly. And it's not a band that I've really ever listened to, but um, in, I, I follow like music news and stuff, and he had... Uh, like he had a big thing where he just openly came out as bisexual and talked about a bunch of drug addiction that he's been going through for the last year and a half and just a bunch of stuff that he's been going through. Um, sounds like he's been having a difficult time, which just sort of stunned me that he's mm-hmm. also been able to write a relatively high-profile Marvel comic book yeah. while going through a thing that needed to have music news about. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Boys. 
Boys, it's uh, it's getting about that time. The sun's starting to set. The yeah. dust is rising. Um, the Jingle gunslinger here? is cheat. Oh, <laughs> oh! I missed it. Say it again. Um, I said Django's here. I said the oh. dust is rising. The sun is setting. Dust is rising. It was a pretty good shot at Django, who was not here because he's at a family reunion. Got him though. Somewhere from in Montana, the, from across the state. Mm. He got to see Justin today, though. Unfortunately, oh, for us. Yeah. Now he's in. What's the nickname? Big Sky Country? Is that Montana? I, yeah, you can. I, I think you can just say Montana. Oh, okay. I think he's well, every in state's got a cool Big nickname. Montana. <laughs> what's Washington's? The Evergreen State. The Ever- oh, yeah, the Evergreen, yeah. what's Idaho's? Potatoes. Oh, I was going <laughs> to sure. say potatoes too, but I don't actually know. <laughs> um, all right, listen, we haven't done a buckshot in one or two weeks now. Yeah. I had some customers complain about that. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I had a customer who's going backwards through the entire podcast discography. And when I asked, like, hey, what do you miss? Like, how are those early episodes? Because I think they're pretty rough. And they were like, well, they're actually not that rough, but I do miss the buckshot round, wow. is what they huh. said. So, wow. Okay. I think we, I think we got to commit. I think we got to get a buckshot round in. Do I? Um, so the question just becomes, who's going first? Probably Roman Statler with a minute and 30 seconds on the clock starting <laughs> in just a number of seconds. Those seconds starting are now. Okay, um, Harley Quinn Gossamer one-shot by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palamonte and some other folks. This was a lot of fun. I mean, I was torn because I don't care for the modern incarnation of Har- or Harley. And now she's kind of an anti-hero good guy, and you know I just I don't I don't I just don't care about that. But I love Gossamer. Gossamer is the big uh, the big fuzzy fuzzy reddish orange monster from the Bugs Bunny cartoons. Um, and this was very cleverly written, very funny. There's a lot of great one-liners and in jokes referring to Gossamer's other appearance appearances in the cartoons. Her and Harley have a good relationship. Somehow Gossamer shows up in our world. And goes on adventures with Harley, and they run into Batman and the Joker and the Penguin. There's a lot of uh, pretty uh, risque stuff with her and Poison Ivy. There's a shower scene with the two of them. Ooh. I was really surprised for, I guess I considered it, I thought it would be more of a kid's book. But I don't like this Harley, even though she had a lot of funny lines. I don't know. Give it a seven. Sounds like you do like her. Yeah, I'm still torn. Catwoman, Tweety, and Sylvester, that's by Gail Simone. This was also very funny. A little more serious. Um, basically, all the bird characters and cat characters in the DCU all get into this big royal rumble in here. And Sylvester and Tweety are there. Sylvester and Catwoman form a great team. Sylvester's got the hots for her, I guess. It was a lot of fun. New World number two. The art is beautiful. Oh, Sorry, it's unfortunately not beautiful. After time, <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, this this issue sucked. No. You know, I had um, a customer who's probably thirteen or fourteen who has been shopping here for about four years, and she comes in with her dad, and she's always been subscribed to the Harley Quinn comics, and she dropped Harley Quinn a couple of days ago because she also was like just not into the direction Harley Quinn has taken. And I really Really? liked hearing, Mm -hmm. like, a 14-year-old understand and and be brave enough to say that they didn't like where it was going and they canceled their subscription and found some other stuff. And I was like, hell yeah. Um, She was instead interested in what Dazzler was doing. Yeah. So I was like, hell yeah, let's (laughs) talk about Astonishing X-Men. Did we still have that one shot? Yeah. Um, We didn't have the one shot, but we had the issues in Astonishing that, like, Focused on her and like yeah. the covers were her, so she was pumped. 
Uh, and I, I just I really liked hearing that. So it's, uh, yeah, you're, that, you're supported by 14 year olds and that, myself. That that is awesome. Because yeah, there's I mean, sure, Harley is sexy in this, and in most of the issues she's in, I don't know if it's a bikini or if it's her underwear or what. And after getting through I mean, a bunch of scraps and stuff, things, yeah, I mean, I mean, it gets some holes in it. Everything. It's like when a swimming and, suit is a swimming suit and not underwear. Yeah, you know? like yeah, society draws yeah, a line and, and, for some reason. And yeah, sure, it's sexy and all, but halfway through it, I was like, you know, this is really sexy, but I don't want to feel that kind of sexy about Harley in a comic book with Gossamer. Yeah, that's just confusing. <laughs> And, like, Harley was, you know, created in the animated series and stuff. That just wasn't necessary. Yeah, yeah, and I prefer audience. cute, cute, you know, funny Harley, animated Harley. And this one, and now we see her on the poster ads for uh, Heroes in Crisis. Mm-hmm. And she's looking up, her and Booster are looking up at the readers, and, and, they're with, and she's with all these heroes. So it's like the implication is, so now she's a hero. Why, are, why is Batman and everybody accepting this? What, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I don't know what her role in Heroes in Crisis is actually going to play. I think um, I think she's going to be one of the people that like maybe murdered or maybe didn't murder a person, oh, which okay. is pretty interesting, I think. But um, I guess I'll give Catwoman and Tweety Sylvester a 7. Hmm. I'll go to 6. I was mm-hmm. I didn't care for the art that much, but mm-hmm. it's Gail Simone, and she's great. Brynn, you're in charge of the clock. What clock? Go. Oh! <laughs> Wait, go. Okay. With those seconds, I just want, I just want to stress that, Brayden, you're just the best. I just have a lot of respect for you, and I really I'm like you. Um, the New World, Al Scott and Trad Moore. I did really like the art. It was Sweet. beautiful. So let's put that back on the clock. Oh, okay. It's official now. Continuity. Um, what I will say is that this issue was about half the size of the first issue, and while the art was just about as gorgeous, it did not have the world building uh, that really impressed me with the first issue. Mm. But I think that that's sort of a necessary thing. I think that they built a bunch of stuff and they set up a scenario with the first issue and then now we've got some connective tissue bringing us from that issue towards where the story is going. So I don't begrudge it for the fact that I don't think that it uh, flabbergasted me in the way that the first issue did, but I I am consciously aware of the fact that it it didn't quite impress me as much. But the art is stunning. Super, super stunning. I want to talk about Humphrey Wolverine Dead Ends by Charles Soule and a artist's last name. And this issue seemed to mostly just be about, if you didn't read those four miniseries that came out of the Humphrey Wolverine, it really summarized them in a succinct, small way that lacked the nuance and beauty of those miniseries, but gave you a, a speech bubble saying what happened in what country with, with a thing. And I think that it's responsible of them to book in a series like that and not require people to read those if they don't want to spend the money on it. So this is the book for you if you didn't want to read all those mini-series and to find out what would happen uh, as they're hunting down Wolverine. It's such a charming little piece, isn't it? It is. It's a charming little number. Yeah, I missed yeah. the, yeah, yeah, the alarm. The yeah. clang. We got complaints, <laughs> though. Yeah. Listen, well, if you don't like it, get out. I'm yeah, that's, I agree, I agree. You're right, you're right, you're right. You're right. I, I, I totally agreed with your summation of New World number two. Um, well, I appreciate that. Brian, is this one you're reading? I did read it. I, I kind of like that they, um, like, it made sense that the second issue is smaller um, and faster. Like, the first one, like, we built it all up, and, like, now we're just kind of diving into it, which, understandably, like, you know, there's less opportunities to do, like, big city-wide spreads and, like, cool world-building, like, layouts and stuff, but I think there was still a lot of a lot of good storytelling um, nonetheless. It just did, didn't pack as much of an impact right. as that first one. I think 
if I understand correctly, and I could be wrong, but I believe this was originally going to be three giant issues, and it has now been turned into five, where one issue was oh. giant, yeah. and then the other four are smaller. Okay. So it, it okay. seems like it, it seems like it's going according to plan, you know. Like, I, but I I give it uh, an eight point five. I like this one a lot. It was not the ten that the first issue was, but this art is. Absolutely gorgeous, and yeah. uh, and I absolutely love it. Uh, Hunt for Wolverine: Dead Ends, I think, is exactly what it needed to be, and I give it a seven point five for yeah. that. Um, it made it because some of those books kind of felt like Dead Ends, and it, it, <laughs> it uh, did a good job of being like, "Hey, no, they actually all mattered, and this is why." Right. So that was kind of nice. And they did all sort of have. a thing at the end that was a, a big deal. Yeah. Comfort like. Uh, Mystery Madripoor definitely did. Um, Adamantium Agenda definitely did. Mm-hmm. And then I guess I don't know about the other two, but... The other Mr. one was... Sinister <laughs> stuff. stuff. Um, yeah, the one I really liked was the other Charles Soleil one. Moss. With, um, yeah. Yeah, with was that the, the Daredevil one? Yeah. Yeah, with Daredevil and the Frank from the Inhumans. Yeah, it sounds like Cypher. Yeah, Cypher. Some pretty yeah. That was good. Development. But... Brayden... Let's just slowly introduce the concept that in about five seconds, I am going to start you on a 90-second path towards your future that begins <laughs> now. House of Muck, number one. Uh, another Christopher Sabella jam who's done a lot of really cool stuff lately, like Shanghai Red and Crowded. Um, hmm. I like this one. I think I like his other books a little more. This one is different. It's pretty weird supernatural horror. It's It was, it was good, though. I liked it. It's a very... Uh, like dark horror movie version of Gravity Falls, which was pretty pretty interesting to to follow, and I'm curious to see where it goes and find out more about this weird, unstable family. Uh, so that was cool. I read uh, Catwoman and Sylvester as well. Um, I like that a lot. It was just like a lot of kind of mindless, silly fun, just like, and just kind of just bringing in all the characters they could think of just like yeah. kind of just from the dustiest forgotten corners of the DCU. <laughs> the like, Jangoist. It was it was fun. Um, so good job, Yale. Um, I read X-Tales number seven, which was really cool because it's got... Uh, Didn't realize it was Gale. Oh, yeah. Um, it's got Black Panther um, as like this bounty hunter kind of outlaw who's like out for revenge against uh, Magneto and his Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, who turn out to be run by an evil Charles Xavier, who's like mind controlling all of them to work for him, and like he's, it's just just wild out there stuff. Uh, Morph shows up. Ding ding ding! You win the that, award for the issue that we most need to follow up on. Let's take it back to Exiles for a second. That was a cool issue. So Jeez. yeah, we finished the first paperback of Exiles, the first volume. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had a real sort of bookended feeling to it. So I forgot that I was interested in what direction this was going to take now. So we're in a we're in a world where black. So we're in we're skipping realities. Yeah, yeah. we're in yeah. a so after the whole thing with uh, the the Kang, time eater and stuff. Yeah. Um, they they were relaxing, and but Blink was still worrying, wondering and worrying about her old teammates like Morph and Nocturne, um, who were from some of the older Exile books. Um, and then the Talos ended up responding to that when they all kind of caught together, and it took them to the dimension where Morph and Nocturne were, which is a basically Marvel 
Wild West dimension where uh, Magneto's running a gang of outlaws that kind of just throw their weight around town and are general jerks. But I really like this art. Yeah, and it turns out uh, he like killed Black Panther's family, so Black Panther's got this whole like totally typical Western revenge story against him. They they get to a point where they they draw on each other, and it's really cool. Um, and then. Charles Xavier shows up, and it turns out he's, like, controlling Magneto and all his minions. Which isn't a far cry from, like, the pretty morally sketchy person that I it think that Charles Xavier is. But it takes a real, like, he's a, he, like, religious zealot. Like, he uses his mm. powers as, like, God speaking through him, and it's just mm. it's just wild. And he's got, like, missing teeth and crazy eyebrows. And it's really crazy, silly stuff. And some people died. It's intense and sad. I tell you what, yeah, silly really, L at the same time. Yeah, I've, fortunately, this cover does not do any of that issue justice. No, I would say it that, doesn't. It doesn't represent the interior art or the plot of it, which all was more interesting than that cover to me. Well, I will say this: one of these characters will die in this issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they made Mike re- draw really good use of the, all the the Western movie tropes. Mm-hmm. Is it tropes or tropes? Uh, it's tropes. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, it's tropes. Ropes for tropes. Ropes for tropes. I do like the art a lot. Um, yeah. Except for Wolvie. I think <laughs> I prefer the artist on the uh, older series, the way they drew. It's a little, like, he just doesn't fit with his art style, like, at all. Like, because everything else is really gorgeous and cool. And, like, I love Black Panther and Valkyrie. Yeah, and gritty, kind of. Yeah, and, like, the colors are so gorgeous, but, like, it's just... Not not an art world for Chibi Wolverine to be running around. It almost just feels like they're kind of making a point about how starkly gross that art is compared to this. I mean, not that it's gross. No, but I mean just sort of like flat lines, flat colors, lines intersecting. I love the character. Like, I love that he's around, but it's just, it's, it's just... He, he looks, with this particular art, he kind of looks like he's been badly photoshopped in. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like someone else drew him and they're just like kind of copy pasting him in there. It's, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad yeah. he's around I'm, and I hope he fights. I feel like that's what he was world. probably trying to do though. Ah, like yeah. that's what I mean by gross. Is it supposed mm-hmm. to be just sort of like, here's this thing that's from a reality that doesn't fit at all. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. Um, and I got to say, boy, that Western Black Panther Hot. Yeah, no, at the end cool of necklace. at the end of the last yeah. issue, Exile Six, you get a full page spread of him making an appearance and he's just so fucking hot and badass. So I've been listening to The Dark Tower on the book on tape because mm-hmm. as a you know, as a follow up to the apology cast we made the other day. Um, I was talking about Stephen King and wanting to read that, and uh, I keep just picturing the gunslinger as Idris Elba, and mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. just fine with me. Did yeah. you see that movie? No, oh, I didn't see. Yeah, I, I didn't really want to watch it, even though I hear it's total trash. Did you see it? I have not. Hmm. I have, I've heard it's not that bad, though. Really? But maybe it is. I I've heard. <laughs> I've heard real bad things yeah. about it. It's got like a seventeen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which <laughs> wow. I don't respect as a source to get information about. But that's a that's a bad score. It is. <laughs> Listen, on the topic of westerns, we're at the end of this here high noon at Mega Mountain Three Ninjas session. Sun's getting low. Sun's getting low. Way to bring it back to the Avengers. I didn't I didn't mean to. I just kind of wanted to evoke a Western kind of sundown setting. But You, it, you underestimate the power of your brain's uh, connections. <laughs> yeah. I wish I, could, I wish I could just stop it. Just 
<laughs> yeah, that's like your classic Jean Grey, Charles Xavier burden of an amazing gift that you have. I just hear all these puns in my head firing <laughs> constantly. I have to work to shut them out. <laughs> Listen, baby, I can help you out, and it's marijuana. Oh, I thought you were um, going to say a symbiote. Nope, I got the symbiote would have been a real good thing. A symbiote, sorry. Although the only way that he was able to really stop with the symbiote was by giving himself all these antipsychotics and stuff. You know yeah. what's crazy is that looking back on this Donnie Cates run, so this next book is Web of Venom, Venom. Uh, but that first issue of Venom that Donnie Cates did was pretty good, but not as good as that series has become to me. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of, I feel like, how most of his series, like, I didn't, I wasn't super sold on the, his first Thanos issue, but, like, that second one, like, just took off. Yeah, he is, and I mentioned this on our last, our apology cast from last week, which, again, I'm sorry for everybody. I uh, wish that we'd gotten an actual issue out. And, uh, but, th- he is just pretty quietly and not that quietly become one of my, oh, quietly. <laughs> he's yeah. quietly and not quietly because he's not quietly become one of my favorite comic creators out there um, he's doing just fun stuff that's big and dumb and I don't mean dumb in an insulting way but I mean dumb in a way that it's he's not writing it to like challenge your intellect which is a type of book that I really really like uh, so this book takes place in the in the retconned Marvel history where uh, Nick Fury stumbled upon that crazy Venom symbiote dragon that flew to Earth and they extracted portions of it and so gave it, yeah. What's what's what, what was retconned? Oh, uh, so sorry, retroactive continuity. No, 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 I know what, it, well, what, what was. Right, right, so, the, so I think that people interpret retcon to mean changing history and it doesn't necessarily mean changing history, but it can mean including a thing that hasn't been mentioned before. Okay, so you're used to saying they've added this. Yeah, yeah. so what they've added is okay. the idea that Wolverine went to Vietnam. They've added the fact that he was there with an LMD Nick Fury hunting down five soldiers who were given the Venom symbiote to kill Viet Cong. And they got out of control. So Wolverine then goes to hunt these down. Wolverine then gets bonded with the Venom symbiote at one point. For just a second. A page. Um, We don't even really get visual stuff on it. Yeah. Would have loved some visual stuff on it. Yeah. They missed an opportunity there. I think that it was almost like that was the nature of the retcon, which is to say, like, I know that no one's ever talked about this before, and we're trying to say this happened. So we're just going to give some shadows. And if we want to pick up on this later, or if somebody else wants to address it, or anything else that's cool mm-hmm. we're gonna just assume you guys are cool with us doing this and then try and get out of this real quickly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then the idea that we have frozen so you know Wolverine ultimately succeeds and they freeze four of these five Viet Cong hunting Venom soldiers uh, cryogenically and for some reason the person that we have spent time with in the first couple issues of Venom Strickland uh, who was a Vietnam soldier who they give the Venom symbiote to, he's able to convince Nick Fury that the symbiote is not present in him. And so then Nick Fury hires him to hunt down that symbiote, even though it's clearly within him, and he gets hired by S.H.I.E.L.D. to do that, which then links up the story idea of why he is able to be meeting Eddie Brock and these five issues that we've had of Venom and knows so much about symbiotes and, and all that jazz. So the retroactive continuity isn't necessarily changing things that have been done, but it's slipping things into the, the timeline that no one's talked about, and we're just going to all agree and, and say, okay, yeah, that, that happened. So retroactively yeah. creating continuity. It is interesting that he's doing this here in Jason Aaron and 
Avengers is doing kind of the other element of retcon where he is changing like the origins of the Marvel Universe with, and what the Celestials were, were really up to that had already been established for since the 80s. Yeah. The Jason Aaron one, while I really like it, is is a little bit more in your face. Like, hey, we're changing this shit, whereas this is a little bit more like, hey, we're adding we're this. To it, yeah. And I think changing and adding is an important distinction to make there. Yeah. What do you guys think about this? Because I really, like, there's just this reveal of Nick Fury talking for several pages about, like, hey, like, we were burying in the ice because we thought Hydra was trying to smuggle nuclear weapons through the Earth's mantle, but it turns out those seismic activities was a frozen symbiote dragon that we saw in issue one and two of Venom. Mm. Um, But what was really cool is he's like, yeah, we got to go to Vietnam and, like, hunt it down because these symbiotes we created have gone rogue. And then you're just like, who is he talking to? And you turn the page, and you're like, yeah, he's talking to Wolverine. Like, of course Wolverine went to Vietnam. Yeah, yeah the I, Wolverine reveal was really cool, really well done. The Made me giggle and smile for, like, two the, pages. Uh, the, the I'm Canadian line was perfectly drawn. Yeah. Was, I like, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Though I was thinking, he's Nick Fury. He knows you're Canadian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I'm sure there's been other stories of mentioning, at least mentioning that, of course, Logan was in Vietnam. I yeah, mean, and I don't know. Just, I have I mean, not read. He was read... in the Civil War, wasn't he? Yeah, or, yeah I yeah. haven't read Fury War Gone By by Jason oh, Aaron, yeah. I believe. I think or that no, was... that was Garth Ennis. Sorry, right? Um, and that is a Nick Fury in Vietnam series, and I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he brings that that up. But I haven't read that, and I really want. One to. of the main things about this, and oh man, I really want classic Nick Fury to quit being the unseen and come back to Earth and be yeah. Nick Fury. Because God, I miss him. Even though we find out at the end of this adventure, this is an LMD with Logan in the woods, in the jungle. But, man, I love I love Nick Fury. And, yeah. you know, his son can stick around, too, and just have two Nick Furies. Yeah, yeah like, I really like that there's two Hawkeyes and nobody really bats an eyelash yeah. at it. Yeah, that's like, fine. Yeah, I, I, I would dig a book like Nick Furies. There's just the two of them, like, oh doing spy gosh. work just- and... Father-son <laughs> dynamics. Oh my God! Someone needs to write that yeah. book. That'd be so because they're such they're both such grumpy characters. How would I mean? Let's see them trying to struggle to get Have along. Father-son yeah. dynamic while also yeah. doing Nick Fury stuff. With yeah, the same neither name. one of them is nurturing in any way. <laughs> you know, really, just show me any Marvel superhero character be a dad. I just want to see a Marvel dad go at it like I can't think holy of holy fuck what about a comic line of just Marvel dads Ugh. god you're yeah, right yeah please what? are any of them dads right now okay just a second jeez uh, we can but, cut out the silence while we Ms. think about Ms. it Reed Richards Reed Richards sure. is a great dad but he's always been a dad well I mean he's literally really. almost always been a dad you're right yeah since the 70s early um, 70s and he's and he's on a run right now Hawkeye is does he have a kid well yeah he's got that spider daughter that hates yeah. him, so he's what? not a great dad. A That's an old man Hawkeye. Cage, Are you reading Old Man Hawkeye? Oh, Old Man Hawkeye. Yeah, okay. Luke Cage is a dad, but his kid's still a baby, baby yeah. so yeah. it doesn't count. Um, <laughs> Spider-Man has had some children, but I lost them to different timelines. I would, I would like to check out uh, Renew Your Vows at some point. That looks fun. Yeah. Um, that goes back to like '90s stuff when he was yeah. a dad. It's but funny, like, yeah. None mainline of, continuity. None of, yeah, none of them show the relationships like the current. Well, the the youngest wasp mm. and she i mean she her dad's hank pym but they don't they haven't shown them together yeah, yet they don't, they don't hang out i feel like, like she almost, hangs out with her with hank's second wife who she never had a relationship with yeah, before i feel like it sort of speaks to that like 
they had Peter marry Mary Jane, and then they undid it, and we're just sort of like, oh, we can't do that to yeah. these male characters. Everybody's who, scared to like give a superhero a healthy relationship. With yeah, what I feel like. Well, I think that, yeah, unfortunately, it probably speaks to um, catering to like male fantasies of like. Yeah. They're probably yeah. still thinking of like a 16 year old who wants to read a character who maybe is having a romantic dalliance and falling in love with this person or doing that. Like, there's or a. Just being like, you know, the, the strong, edgy loner kind of doing their thing. Yeah. Like sacrificing or, their love life. Or unfortunately, it's really easy to write stories where people fall in love. What is harder is to write stories about relationships that are struggling to succeed, which mm-hmm. is what all relationships, I think you know, are in the long run. Yeah. Um, so they, they take the easy way out and discourage that type of thing. But you're right. We need Marvel dads as like a continuity line. Please. Yeah. Let's get that timestamped TM, TM, TM. Um, let's see. Uh, it's, no, uh, it's uh, what what month is it? It's September, September 2nd. So let's make that online because in like six months, we're going to start seeing Marvel dads comics and it's going to yeah. be because we birthed this idea <laughs> in the universe let's and we're not going to need credit. Let's just have an Avengers event and with us jumping forward in time like yeah 10 20 years and then we got dads just a bunch of dads <laughs> um i guess kingdom come is kind of close but that's dc yeah, dads that's dc that's all yeah, yeah. dc is just dc is rife with dads, dads. Yeah. that's true yeah. filthy with yeah. dads yeah dc's not afraid of the whole dad dad that man's got issue. biological kids he's got adoptive kids yeah. he's no. got classic man's got an estranged son apparently and <sighs> superman's got a kid yeah um man so, yeah, this Venom book was so, really good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to Venom. No, 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 I'm on board for it. I think we covered all the stuff I wanted to say. Back, back to the Venom. I, I really, really liked this. I uh, It tickled me in a different way than Runaways did, mm-hmm. and I would say that I would give Runaways a 10, um, and I would give this Venom book probably a 9.5. I would probably rather read Venom in this type of book, uh, week in, week out, than Runaways, but Runaways was that sort of special type of emotional punch that you need, if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, uh, It wasn't necessarily super fun, but it was cathartic, whereas this was just, as with all Donny Cates books, like, I'm not, like, ending my day praying at the, the, you know, the pulpit of Donny Cates, but, uh, but I'm sure fucking glad I'm reading these books that just, I'm excited to read, Make me happy while I read it, and then I can go on and uh, go back to my daily life, yeah. you know, and not have to think about the grand aspects of human interaction. Boy, the whole uh, dad talk we just had made me, made me, made me realize, boy, Danny, Donny Cates, he uh, he writes about these God country was all about a dad and his son. Um, uh, Redneck is all about familial relations, mostly male. Um, and in a way, it looks like this is starting to kind of touching that too, just with the symbiote. Is, is, is it Grendel? Is the the head symbiote? And I can't believe venom. I'm saying symbiote. <laughs> they got you. The, Justin got me. Justin yeah. was yeah, here. Justin that one got us. <laughs> the head symbiotes. 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 Um, they see the, their progeny, and it's all pretty interesting. Yeah, must be he, one of his favorite themes. Yeah, that, uh, I think father issues have been a real theme for Donny Cates, yeah, which yeah. is a soft spot for me. Yeah. Um, we all work with Django. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I will give this a. That's a great cover. Um, I'll give this a seven point five. I'll go with the, a seven. It was it was very good, but I think it was 
maybe just expecting a little more. I did mm-hmm. build it up for everybody. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> it was still a 9.5 for me, my dudes. Yeah. I wasn't surprised that this Nick Fury turned out to be LMD, but like Wolverine, I was I was disappointed. Yeah, I wanted I real Nick, but we had real Nick back at yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. I do like uh, some old school Nick and Logan running around fighting wars. Yeah. And I love that they have cryogenically frozen four Vietnam soldiers with Venom symbiotes because you know this is going to be the technical first appearances in like seven months for these new characters no. that show up in Donny Cates' run. Like, I just hope if they do show up that they'll be on a team and they'll have different colored symbiotes. Some, <laughs> some kind of cool Power Ranger aspects. Like different colored headbands. Or I just really like that. Like that brought me joy as I was reading. I was just like... Not only is this good, but I can feel the seeding of future things in it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it made me enjoy this, and it made me enjoy a future moment. And that that was pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Boy, that makes, I just realized also, this makes, did the Unseen show up in Exiles? He usually shows up in every issue. Yeah, he hasn't been around. Uh, they oh, mentioned okay. him in this one, I think. Uh, he was in something very recently, though. He's been in every issue of that. I think. It wasn't I was, I was I just thinking, was oh, oh, dang, he wasn't. I was going to say, oh, we had two two issues this week with Nick Fury, classic and modern cosmic being Nick Fury. Charles Xavier, <laughs> you've been on my I did love that, how they question. made him the, the crazy Western preacher Dude, cultist. Charles Xavier is like, he was done such a disservice by being represented as a saint in that animated series because in the comic books, and then dude is shady. And they made him Patrick Stewart too in the movie. Yeah, yeah only he's nice. great. But only I, I assume that's only nowadays though, because he was he wasn't shady before. Oh, he's always. Well, been there's shady. been aspects every yeah. now and then, but you know they oh, were all justified. Um, <laughs> Professor had... Xavier, you're a jerk. Yeah, no, like, nah. Yeah, Kitty manipulating cover? these like children to fight. These what? What are you talking about? Terrorists? There's that Kitty Pride famous panel of her like quitting the X Men. She says, yeah. Professor Xavier, you're a jerk. Yeah, (laughs) like, but also like forever, he's been doing very sketchy stuff. Mm -hmm. He's been using his powers in a way that is very sketchy. Hey, Roman, you are not (laughs) doing your due diligence by accepting the fact that Charles Xavier is a good guy because that dude is a good guy, best morally gray, (laughs) at best. But he's a good morally gray guy. Well, that's how I consider myself. Hopefully, (laughs) but yeah. But no, I know I'm getting reminded of that with every issue of. What's that, Piscor X-Men book? Oh, Grand, Grand Design. Design. Grand Design, yeah. <laughs> yeah, did you read that, that came out this week too, right? Yeah, no, yeah I'm only halfway the through the second, the whatever they're, issue it is. Third, I, I love them, one. but they're beefy. They're yeah, beefy and yeah. dense, and they are not something that we can get yeah, right I have by to, the time of the podcast. Yeah, I always have to save it for last and read all the other comics for the week. Yeah. Um, thanks, all of our listeners, for being listeners. We do really, really appreciate you. Um I know last week's episode was a weirdo, so sorry about that. Uh, with the closing of Moonbase and me moving and all this different stuff, it's been hard to keep our normal schedules. So we appreciate you bearing with us. You guys are great. If you could write us a review, we'd appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it anywhere. Or you could just write a review and send it to us through the email. That'd be cool. Um, we loved getting voicemails, uh, yep. pitches we like, we for like stories. questions and pitches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Y'all are very good. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot from people lately saying they like listen to the show and like it a lot, and that's that's really cool. It's really cool. Um, and I know that we are definitely associated with the comic book shop, but also 
We're sort of a, our own entity as well, <laughs> ideally. So I guess I apologize for how much this is associated with our store, but I guess that's just intrinsically tied to it. Yeah. Um, Roman, I love you, buddy. Jeff. I love you. Braden. Braden. I love you, man. I love you too, Jeff. And Roman. <laughs> I love you too. Um, I'm warming up to you. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a year, so you can do I'm, a little better. I'm warming up to you. Um, I guess next week Jingle will probably be back. I would imagine um, episode 100 is coming up, so we probably should think of something we're going to do for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to need to think of an intro for this podcast, which has an, and a new name. I would love a new name that involves comics in some way. Comics, sure. If you have any uh, suggestions for a, uh, a name, that would be great. Oh, ooh, comics, 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 exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Yeah. Is that a die, die, die reference? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, if you have any questions or suggestions <laughs> for us, give us a phone call at 1-619-663-7336. We would love to hear from you. Make sure you dial that one because it won't work without it. Write us an email, info at thecomicsplace.com. You can text Braden at his phone number, which I'm going to look up right now. Um. Oh, wait, never mind. I guess I won't do that. Uh, yeah, thanks, everybody. And thanks thanks for thanks for listening and coming into the store. Uh, this is our lives. This so. is our lives. We have a Facebook page for this. Which was would change the name of the Facebook page for the podcast. We could make it Books of Our Lives, Comic Books of Our Lives, oh like Days of Our Lives reference. <laughs> yeah. Is that, a, is that one's the Hourglass? New, new like, Comic Book yeah. days, days of Our Lives. Yeah. When, when, <laughs> when, Wednesdays of Our Lives? Yeah, that's a little that bit, was that feels a little better. Yeah, that feels a little better. Yeah, yeah. Wednesdays of our, it doesn't have comic in the title still. Oh damn, would be nice. Wednesday I mean, comics I mean, in our lives. Anybody who's searching for a comics podcast is going to be searching for Wednesday in the name. That is maybe true. <laughs> <laughs> comics Wednesdays for our um, lives. Hey everybody, I will see you all tomorrow. Uh yeah, probably yeah probably Brain's day off. Oh yeah, of course we'll see. You. We work together tomorrow. Yeah, yeah guys. Yeah, and then um, we watch wrestling together and I, wrestling. Um. Happy to be back on this week. Uh, still probably not going to be on every week, but I love uh, love filling in if that needs to be a thing. But I kind of like not having this uh, on my mind every week. Yes. So It is an amount of stress I, that uh, I enjoy having. Yeah, I, I appreciate uh, being on here and, uh, and uh, saying funny words for all the fans out there but uh, <laughs> for all my fans sorry <laughs> whoa but yeah um we'll definitely get you on for the next runaways yeah, issue because I'll, uh i want to follow up on this one sure um we'll just have a standing once a month runaways date yeah that's the thing that would make me make sure i keep reading yeah. it <laughs> yeah hopefully we get colette back on here in the future i think she wants to do that colette is definitely going to be on some scheduling shifts with her are changing that are going to necessitate she be on here so that she's still here at least uh, every week or two yeah um until then i'm jeff and i guess i'm sorry that i'm just such a big weird gray blob <laughs> i'm i'm Braden, and i'm worried about the noises i'm hearing outside right now <laughs> how the wolves are circling. <laughs> I'm Roman, um, um, the no and the noises seem to have moved on, so I think we're all safe. This is a safe place. Raiden, anxiety assuaged. <laughs> <laughs>